Hello everyone and welcome to another episode on, here on ERG Sport. Uh, we've got something a little bit different for you here. Now obviously the Scottish uh, football campaign is taking a little break for a little thing called the World Cup. Um, we're going to be doing a little bit of preview on you know the world's biggest tournament. Um, you know, addressing you know who we feel is going to win, uh, maybe potential dark horses, potential teams who are going to slip up and uh, be you know pretty dross in all honesty. Um, but yeah, we're going to try and cover as much as we can in this episode here before the gate uh, the tournament kicking off on Sunday. But um, it's not just myself, Angus McGregor here. I am joined by my fellow Angus, Angus Blacklock. How are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. Looking forward to the World Cup starting a couple of days. So, are you really looking forward to the World Cup? I don't feel like. I don't feel like anybody I know is properly excited for it. Is this is this just me being a bitter old man who just doesn't care about, you know, what's happened to my precious World Cup or anything else? No, I understand the fact that the some of the novelty isn't there with the fact that it's in the winter. But I was the same. I was like, Oh, I'm no I'm not be interested in it uh, this this year. But um when it when it gets closer and you see all the teams arriving in Qatar, you see all the branded stuff, um I think I'm starting to look forward to it. And also, four games of football a day. You can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an absolute dream. It's a student stream as well, isn't it? To just be, you know, just cutting about, you know, oh, you wake up, you know, like, you're you're also a little bit younger than me, so you'll maybe be waking up, you know, about one o'clock, boom, there's a football game on to watch. That's a, that is a dream, in all honesty, isn't it? But, yeah, um, thanks very much for joining me. It seems to be a bit of an issue getting people on when you're here. Is that is that something to do with you, do you think? Or just because you're a Hearts fan, uh, perhaps? Or... I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> um, but you'll, you'll need to ask the other people about that. Oh, well, we'll see how that goes. But I guess um, I guess the most basic way to start this podcast off, and, you know, we may as well just get the kind of the gloomy side of the World Cup out of the way first. And obviously the tournament's been held in Qatar this year, which, you know, it's nothing short of a disgrace in my opinion, Angus. Um, the f- the fact that you know we've had to move the tournament, you know, from the summertime due to you know the weather conditions uh, to you know December, interrupting you know the world football campaign, and then you go into the issues regarding you know workers' rights, the amount of deaths that have been caused because of making the stadiums, and um, you know the treatment of many other kind of people as well. The fact that Qatar are so far behind on human rights and whatnot as well. Should a country like this be having the World Cup in this day and age? The simple answer is no. Um, I understand that it's a World Cup. It's the first World Cup to be hosted in the Middle East region. Um, but there's better countries in the Middle East hosting than Qatar. Um, the whole the whole surrounding of it. The recent I've not had the chance to watch a recent FIFA Netflix documentary. But when the former president is coming out and saying that it shouldn't be held in Qatar, it's pretty damning in the in the situation. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's, people go on about all this kind of stuff. And the one thing that I really hate about this is so many people coming in and saying, oh, keep politics out of football. And, you know, football is supposed to be, and the World Cup in particular, is supposed to be this thing that, you know, unites the world. Everybody can be in it um, if, you, you know, if you qualify or whatnot. It's for everybody. Everybody can come together and enjoy it. The World Cup's always been this great thing. You're talking about a country now where, you know, people who are, you know, part of like LGBTQ communities and that, you know, they can't be there. And, I'm absolutely, completely, 100% reject the thing where people say, oh, if you're going over to a country, you should be respecting their beliefs and morals and all that. When those beliefs, morals, whatever whatever way they want to try and put it, infringes on basic human rights, absolutely not. Absolutely do not stand for it because that is, you know, it's despicable. You know, I'm sure we all have, you know, friends, family and that who are, you know, part of those kind of uh, communities. And, you know, the fact that, you know, they're a... Uh, their enjoyment or their viewing or 
involvement within this tournament is impacted because of a backwards country. It's absolutely disgraceful in my opinion. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot more should be done about it. I'll give, you know, a couple of teams some credit for it. Like so Harry Kane for England, he's going to be wearing the, the rainbow armband. You know, huge respect for doing that. Um, but, aye, it's, it's just absolutely baffling to me and it just shows how much corruption there is you know you've, you've seen that russia had it before you know what ended up happening there people try and say oh like look at it this way like the world cup like you know it might help them become good does that work for russia just there no you see what happens with it watch this and think what so the next world cup's going to be in uh, america and that right i bet you in the next 10 years saudi arabia will have one as well when they're still beheading journalists like ourselves in that to be honest with you so at least we have that to look forward to but that's the way it's going to go isn't it 100% I echo everything you just said there um another thing the um I saw in the last couple of days the Danish TV presenter oh yeah the World Cup host uh a chance to show off your country and when you got present presenters basically reporting the World Cup mm-hmm. showing off showing off your country yeah it was it was something then, fairly innocuous as well wasn't it like it wasn't yeah, and then threatening to smash the camera yeah. because they keep filming and another thing sticking with Denmark give credit to Hummel who didn't want their logos on the football shirts when um, the World Cup's been taking place so Denmark have in my opinion some nicest kits where it's just a red Hummel I think it's a red badge as well and just black just plain simple kits yeah I do, I do sympathise with a lot of teams with this because because the World Cup is such, you know, a massive thing. And I think that the issue you find is if any teams were to boycott Qatar for this reason, there's going to be one who, there's going to be another team who's just simply going to be like, oh, cool, we'll take it instead because, you know, that is just the way the world is working at this moment. So these kind of protests that can kind of take part um, and, you know, shed light and maybe, you know, make a difference, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to make like groundbreaking change or whatnot, but... Um, you know these kind of things for sure are much, very much necessary on the grand scheme of things. Um, as you know, we and try to you know improve you know the relations within you know the football in the world and these kind of communities. But yeah, I think uh, the fact that it's in Qatar, an absolute joke, an absolute disgrace, and you know everybody who was involved in that decision making should be held accountable for it. Um, but it's a hand that we've been dealt with, and you know we've just kind of got to go put up with it. Hopefully, you know, it doesn't impact like our viewing too much. And, you know, hopefully that everybody who is out out there, you know, enjoying uh, the games and that, hopefully, you know, they're safe and everything, they, their enjoyment of the tournament isn't impacted too much. Um, I'm not confident of that whatsoever, though. I think I've seen something of, you know, some of the fan zones and that, and it's like people's rooms and it's literally a tent with like two beds in it. And it's just like... Great. You can't really ensure any safety there. Well, but... one of the fan zones has little shading when it's thirty-two degrees with the sun with the sun beaming down, and it's got minimal shading, if any at all. Yeah, which is just it's 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 just scandalous. You know, you think you know the, the amount of money that's been poured into this World Cup. You know, you think they'd at least be ready for it. To, you know, to to be able to do something. You know, they like Gary Neville and David Beckham going out and trying to sports wash, you know, the whole thing being like, oh, look, it's like, it's absolutely tremendous here. Of course, it's okay for you, Gary Neville and David Beckham, when you're multi-millionaires, you're the face of Sky Sports and whatnot. They're going to be rolling at the red carpet for you. For people, you know, with, similar to ourselves, we're going to be going over there. They're not going to have such luxuries and they're not going to have as nice treatment in that because, you know, they don't have to impress them. If they get an ambassador like David Beckham, they do so, then it makes them look good in the, in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, we've covered a good like five minutes just on that there, and I think you know we've kind of covered everything. 
Qatar an absolute shambles. I hope he's get pumped out the tournament straight away. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll we'll just start off the the episode talking about the football, and I'll just come to you and ask, you know, what are you, what is your earliest memory of the World Cup? Um, my earliest memory of the World Cup, I think, I think it sticks in my mind because it was so, such a vivid, vivid um, moment. It was the Frank Lampard goal school against Germany oh, in 2010. <laughs> I remember, vaguely remember watching it and vaguely remember arguing in primary school with my friend who said it was a goal, it was a goal and winding them up. <laughs> However, if my, prop, my first proper memories of the World Cup would have been the Brazil World Cup in 2014. Um, and watching that and watching games at 10 o'clock at night which was um which was really fun yeah um i when i seen that a uh, germany game i was actually in turkey at the time and you know as all scottish and you know irish people do whenever the world cups are on you go and well especially if england are playing you go find a scottish or an irish bar to go and watch the game so you're in with like-minded people and that is what we did we found this pub and unfortunately there was an english pub on the right on the left and in front of us as well however you know going up 4-1 with germany um it led to some you know some fire, fiery scenes i guess i was kind of say about it you know being quite a a for just a team that I had like no interest in just just seeing england get beat essentially it was just you know a great fun you know seeing them get beat out and that was also the birth of a lot of a uh, a lot of German talent, like Thomas Muller and Mesut Ozil, you know, kind of burst onto the scene in that game and, you know, the world really took notice in that. So, yeah, like, good memory for you. Mine's is a, a little bit further back than yours. I think I've got a couple I can remember. Um, and they, it's from the 2002 World Cup, which I do not believe you were born for. Nope, I wasn't. Nope, there you go. Tremendous. Um, so I have uh, Japan and Korea, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, so I have three moments from that that I can remember quite vividly. The first one being... Um, for some reason, I can just remember Robbie Keane's goal against Germany because he does like some sort of weird. I remember there being like a photo of it, and he does like some sort of weird, like kind of like Ric Flair strut as he's like hit, flicking the ball over all over Can. Obviously, the iconic celebration as well. After that, obviously, I remember Ronaldinho putting out England with uh, that free kick that David Seaman just completely misjudged, and then obviously R nine in the final, you know, kind of getting that redemption. So yeah, a wee bit of a, a wee bit of a different one for me as well, but. Obviously, we just kind of mentioned there, um, you know, R9, the Brazilian team winning the World Cup there. Are Brazil the favourites for this one? I think they're strong. I think they're, I think them and Argentina are the two favourites. Um, I think it, from, and for me, I think it'll be the first time um, that in a long time that a European side are not only not the favourites, but I don't think a European side will win it this year. Um, you'll probably ask me a minute who I want to win or who I think will win. Um, but I think it's between Brazil and Argentina at the moment. I think they're the two strong favourites. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point that no, uh, the European sides have all won it since you know that 2002 Brazil won it in 2002, Italy 2006, Spain 2010, Germany 2014, France 2018, all different winners as well. But yeah, I do agree with you. I think that there seems to be an element within there that you know it's not going to be a European side this year, and I think that's just largely to do with the fact that there's nobody who really massively stands out. I think with you know. With Brazil and Argentina, you have, you know, a couple of players, you know, a couple of flair players who can make the difference. Obviously, for Brazil, you've got Neymar and Messi for Argentina. And, you know, that could be the difference in these kind of tournaments where that kind of player can 
make that big thing. Um, I think both teams have been on like decent form. I think you know the last Copa America was the final between the two, um, and because of that, you know a lot of teams are taking a lot of interest in them. I think that was the first time that Argentina had won a tournament in that Copa America final, so they'll be fancy themselves very much. So and yeah, um, for me, Argentina. Um, I don't know if this is entirely you know my natural thoughts of it, you know, as to I think that they'll win it more as to I want them to win it. I want Messi to essentially get that trophy so you know the kind of debates and whatnot can be over where they're talking about the greatest player in the world oh but he's not done it in the world cup and that hopefully he can maybe put that to bed um especially with that idiot ronaldo's actions in the last week um i would love nothing more for for messi to go on and outdo him this year you don't think what ronaldo's done though could benefit portugal i hope not because i think the portugal managers probably love what's come out because now Ronaldo's going into the World Cup with a point to prove to the world mm-hmm. after what's come out with the interview. Yeah, that's... And, with, and Ronaldo with a point to prove is dangerous. But, like, at the same time, though, Ronaldo's nowhere near the same player. And the issues that Ronaldo's been talking about with Man United as well is that, you know, he's not getting played and whatnot. And Man United play so much worse when they try and do everything through Ronaldo. Ronaldo's going to throw a strop at international level with it as well. You've seen it before at times that he's a wee bit, like, so petulant. So... It's going to be an interesting dynamic for sure. Um, can't really rule Ronaldo out because, you know, he is undisputedly one of the best players ever. Is he that anymore? And is he that kind of good enough player to get them over the line? Do you think Portugal have got a chance of going far? Uh, I, I think they'll get out of the group, but I don't I don't fancy them getting far. But I could see Ronaldo having a good tournament with a points proof. Hmm. I think that'll be the interesting aspect of it is because it depends what Ronaldo shows up. If if the you know the hard working Ronaldo who you know is clinical, um, basically the opposite of what he's been for Manchester United so far this season shows up, then yeah, absolutely Portugal have got a great chance of doing so. But I just don't believe that that Ronaldo exists anymore. And in all honesty, I'll get great satisfaction if you know he doesn't if he absolutely makes a a cock up of it as well because. You know, to come out and act as if, you know, you're the end-all, be-all, uh, and if he goes into the World Cup and, you know, he's eliminated kind of at the first time of asking, I think that would be really, really funny. Um, I think you're it's clearly showing what side of the, the Ronaldo-Messi debate I'm on. Um, but, yeah, um, to kind of to go back to Brazil a little bit there as well, you know, another player who's maybe got, like, a point to prove is Neymar. Um, you know, obviously that 2014 World Cup, uh, he picked up an injury in the latter stages. They've obviously gone to lose 7-1 to Germany as well. Um, in the 2018 World Cup, I don't remember him having too massive an impact the, the on The big it. story in the 2018 World Cup, if I remember, was his diving diving antics throughout the, okay. throughout the tournament. Yeah. Um. So it'll be interesting to see if that's a similar story in the this World Cup, but I think he's a more mature player now. I think I could see him having a real impact on that Brazil side. Yeah, I think that's what the interesting thing of it is, is, you know, talking about players who want to, you know, make a name for themselves. You know, Neymar's kind of, for me personally, he's always been that player who's been on the cusp of, like, greatness and that he's never really been able to get up his game to take him to that next kind of level where you can properly compare him to, you know, a Messi or Ronaldo, even at this age, in all honesty. Um, so I think that he'll be, you know, one who's very much eager to, to essentially kind of put things right and, you know, show that he is the main man. You know, I think he's one of Brazil's like top goal scorers and all that, but I don't think he's held anywhere near in regard the same regard as, you know, R9, go back to Pele, Ronaldinho, even like Rivaldo, Roberto Carlos and stuff like that. I feel I feel like he's still got a little while before he reaches that. I don't know if because, you know, you're part of like the younger generation, you don't have it maybe quite as fond memories of those players, but 
when you think of Brazil, do you think of Neymar as that kind of end-all, be-all? Uh, I think of him up there uh, with Ronaldinho and Ronaldo. But the one thing that all those players you mentioned have over Neymar is a World Cup. Mm-hmm. And so I think if he gets a World Cup, you'll see all these iconic images with him yeah. in the Brazil top holding the World Cup. I think I think then that would really up up his um, valuation in Brazil stature. Yeah, I think that's always something as well with these kind of like South American sides. There's always that there's always that kind of underdog story of these players who you know came from you know the street football and that. Yeah. There's something very romantic about um you know going from you know I seen that I seen an interview with Anthony uh, talking about you know wanting to get like taking like, his family out of the favelas and stuff like that. Um and you know I think there's something really really special about that which can you know unite like a country as well, especially somewhere like Brazil where you know there's kind of political unrest and you know uncertainty with kind of where they're going following like, the pandemic and whatnot. So I think you know these kind of teams I think um I would say are is the best chance that they have for. For quite some time but obviously we talked about Portugal a little bit later as well is there any other European sides who you're you're tipping to fancy um I think a lot of people are saying Spain but I don't I don't really buy that I, I don't look at their team and think I don't I don't think they have that player that can win them a game in my opinion mm. I, I think they got who a plays lot. up front for Spain um Morata oh dear <laughs> I mean they got Ansu Fati and Ling and whatnot uh-huh. but there's not there's not that player that you think like a high game, possibly that you think, right, he can win you a match with nothing. Um, I think they could be a bit underwhelming. Um, I think Germany. Um, everyone looks at Germany during the World Cup, but again, they're not. They're not the team they were in the, even twenty eighteen or twenty twenty fourteen when they won it. Um, England as well. They've come off of a very disappointing Nations League campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I just don't really fancy any of the European teams. I, France as well, disappointing Nations League campaign. There's no teams that are really standing out in Europe at the moment, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, quickly a quick Google there of you know the Spain forwards: Pablo Sarabia, Nico Williams, Marco Asensio, Alvaro Morales, Ferran Torres, Jeremy Pino, and Danny Olmo. It's not really like all decent enough players like yeah. in their own regard, but yeah, you're absolutely spot on that there's not really anybody there who. I don't think any teams going into a match being like, oh, we're properly terrified of them. Um, I think for Germany as well, what Timo Werner dropped out, but he would have been fancied quite a lot for, for Germany as well. I'm trying to think of our German forwards in all honesty. I'm really kind of struggling to... I think Havertz plays... Kai Havertz is kind of like a false yeah. nine. And even, to be honest with him, the last kind of couple of seasons for Chelsea, you wouldn't really say that he's been, you know, lighting things up. Uh, Mikoku, you know, uh, Dortmund, uh, you've got Adiemi, who's in decent form, to be fair. Yeah. So, got Leroy Sane, Gnabry, and Muller from, you know, Bayern Munich. Um, I think for I think for Bayern, eh, for Bayern, for, I mean, it may as well be Bayern to an extent, you know, with the <laughs> amount of players that they have there. I think for something that Germany will always have is, you know, they have a lot of solidity. And, you know, you look yeah. at that experience that they have as well. You know, there's plenty of players there who, you know, can get them over the line. Um, just experienced pros who are, you know, are tremendous. You know, like Emmanuel Neuer. Uh, you've got obviously Kimmich, Thomas Muller, who is, you know, Thomas Muller actually. To be fair, yeah, he can't be far off of the top goal scorer uh, in the history of the World Cup. I think he must be sitting on double figures. I think what close is on sixteen. Think so. So if Thomas Muller, to be fair, was to have like a good thing, you know, it could be a difference, and you know, he could write himself in further in the history books as well. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you in terms of you know the European teams. There's not. There's like a lack of an icon for like any of them, I think. Yeah. Um, there's not really that kind of player you're looking at and be like, that's a star player, where obviously it's easy to look at 
even Portugal with Ronaldo, but with like uh, you know Messi and Neymar at the uh, the the two South American giants as well. One interesting one I would like to get your thoughts on is France. So the France obviously coming into this tournament as the World Cup holders. History shows though that the World Cup holders have gone on to not have you know the best of tournaments. Going back to France in ninety eight, I think they got put in group stages in two thousand two. Um, I think Brazil kind of evaded that. Uh, who do I think they got through to like the quarterfinals of the two thousand six World Cup? I think Italy got put out of the. 2010 ones in the group stage after winning it in 2006. Spain, Spain got put out in the group stages. Germany. Germany all as well. France, though, you're looking at them as well. No Kante, no Pogba. Griezmann's not the same as he was back in that tournament there. There's a lot of differences within this side. Could we potentially see France being you know, one of the upsets of the tournament? Possibly. I mean, I look at the group and I think... It- I think I find it very difficult to see that they go out uh, when, you, when you have Australia, Denmark and Tunisia. I, you can see Denmark top in the group. You can see them going through a second. But even with um, Australia and the Hearts players that they have, I still think they might fall just short in the group stage. However, again, history shows that it, I, w- I wouldn't put it this way. I wouldn't be surprised if they went out just because of what the history shows. But um, I don't see it happening. I can see them going through a second. You also look at you know they've got Karim Benzema back for this tournament as well, which yeah. is a massive boost. Like some Mbappe as well. So you look at that attacking talent; they should be okay. It's just you know, I think one of the biggest things that was up for debate was you know what their centre midfield partnership would be. Um, obviously they have the likes of uh, Kanté and Pogba both missing. There was talks of you know does Adrian Rabio come in, which I don't think too many people were too keen on. They've got like a couple of a couple of younger players who you know could maybe step in and perhaps for them though it's like maybe a wee bit too much too soon but you never know what can happen you know in these kind of tournaments these kind of youthful players could could wind up stepping up but yeah I think France is a is an interesting prospect for sure because I don't think you know as holders and you know despite having you know still quite an impressive squad I don't think many people are talking about them too much but maybe they might prefer that maybe they might prefer coming mm-hmm. into a tournament with a wee bit more wee bit more pressure eh, less pressure eh, on their backs following it but I think of anybody else within the con- the continent who could do so. Obviously, you know, usually we'd go on to talk about who won the Euros because you know you'd expect them to, to end up qualifying <laughs> for the World Cup. But for some reason, Italy, yeah, completely were evaded in this at all. Um, it is, but it's the Netherlands' first tournament since twenty fourteen. Yeah. Um, first World Cup since twenty fourteen. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they get on. Obviously, Van Dijk making his debut at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could go. Um. They could they could go a decent distance. However, again, I don't see them getting to the final or winning. It's it's a lack of it's a lack of attacking quality for most of these teams that I'm saying. We've talked about talked about Spain. They're not having kind of proper like a top class kind of like centre forward or whatnot who can make the difference in these tournaments. I think that's the same for Holland because you look at that defence. You know they can have you know Delict and Van Dijk at the back. You can have you like Frankie De Jong in the middle of the park. You're relying on Memphis Depay and like Luke De Jong and that though still to you know to make the difference up front and I'm not entirely convinced that that's you know going to be good enough against you know some of these better sides. Um, you know Van Hal's a very experienced manager and to be fair he did tremendously well in the 2014 World Cup with that uh, with that Holland squad. But that was at the same time when he had you know a prolific Robin Van Persie and Iron Robin who you know could make those difference in those kind of games. I don't think they have that, but you know they'll be hoping for the 
maybe the more defensive side you know, of Dutch kind of football this time, maybe that you know they're a wee bit more conservative, you know, the kind of what you'd expect from them. Um, but yeah, an interesting prospect for them. Obviously, they've been missing from the last couple of tournaments, so a lot of those players will be certain to you know try and make up for for lost time. Um, yeah. I think that centre back partnership, in all honesty, Delegate and Van Dijk could be could be game changing. In all honesty, you look at many teams, many games where a single goal may uh, may keep a team in it yeah. or whatnot. You know, you're looking at a defence like that, perhaps, you know, maybe a, maybe a Holland Ara side that you should maybe be keeping an eye on. I guess the other one within the continent as well is, will be their neighbours, Belgium. Yeah. Um, I hope Belgium's next. I've just said that off the top of my head. Um, is it? I, they, I, I so. looked, I Yeah, so. okay, we'll go with it. Um, if not, I, this isn't a geography podcast, so you'll be listening. <laughs> um, but again, like, Belgium have been, you know, part of, you know, a kind of a golden generation for so long now. But, that's very much coming to the end now, and you you're looking at that squad, and you're only looking maybe at two kind of players who are in that world class bracket. One being Thibaut Courtois, another one being Kevin De Bruyne. You know, you're looking at Hazard, you're looking at Lukaku. They're not the same as they once were, um. But you know, do they still have you know a strong enough squad that you should be thinking of them as contenders, or as the ship sailed for them at this time? I still think it's definitely the last campaign with their golden generation. You look mm. at De Bruyne. Lukaku, they're coming to they're coming towards the late end of their career where they're, they're definitely going, going to be past their peak. But they still got some good quality players there. Lukaku, Lukaku, if he turns up, will be dangerous. Same with Hazard and obviously De Bruyne is De Bruyne. And when you've got someone like Courtois in goal, it's going to be difficult to score past them. But um, I, I, I think they might be one of the better European sides in the in the tournament. Um, yeah, definitely. I think they've been... They've massively underachieved with their golden generation, so 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 to speak. You look at the World Cup squad in twenty fourteen; they had a properly good squad with a lot of lot of players in their prime. And then twenty sixteen for the Euros, they were favourites. They were they were um, ranked to go far in that and got put out by Wales. So <laughs> um, they've uh, they've definitely underachieved. So they'll they'll be looking to make a statement in the World Cup for sure. Definitely when it's um, a lot of the lot of um, quality players for last tournament. I think that's the thing for Belgium is that for the most part it seems as if any time that they came up against, you know, a decent challenge, they kind of crumbled in the end. Um I think they put out Brazil the last World Cup. I don't think Brazil were up to an awful lot last year. I can't mind who beat them last season. It would have been France as well, uh, who beat them in the semi finals. I think they go who put them out of the Euros. Was that Italy? I think it um, might have been Italy. Yeah it was Italy. And that Italy side you know, looking back, probably aren't too great. It seems as if you know any team who has like a little bit of a know-how or a manager who has like a wee bit of a, mm-hmm. a a system or a game plan. They seem to really struggle with that, and I think that could be the same again, especially with the lack of quality that they have to you know to make up for that. However, Kevin De Bruyne is arguably the best player in the world right now. Yeah. Um. So if anybody can create something out of nothing, you know. Other than Lionel Messi, it's probably Kevin De Bruyne who could do something. Um, it's going to be interesting to see whether he'll have the same effect in this team as he does in Man City, where you know he's got hundreds of players, you know, to just bounce it back off of and whatnot. And, you know that freak Haaland up top. Is he going to have that for Belgium with like Solakakra? I guess time we'll see. That'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, Belgium very very intriguing side because you know you look at that golden generation. It's very very much mirrors what you know the English generation was like, isn't it? Where it's yeah. like you you look at that team and you're like. Geez, like how how have you not made you know a final or whatnot like um in this kind of time? But um, I guess time will see with that. I think Roberto Martinez, this is definitely going to be his last chance of winning it as well. If I think definitely. if they have a poor tournament, 
he's definitely gone. He's still the manager, right, with yeah, Thierry Henry as coach as well. <laughs> Sean Maloney's not there this time. How no. big of an impact is that going to make on them? Um, I think, to be honest, I don't think it'll be a massive impact. But um... <laughs> What are you trying to say? Huh? Did you not see the Loney ball at Hibs the last... I didn't, that's exactly season? what I'm saying. Um... <laughs> you try to say that taking Cove Rangers to penalties isn't going to benefit Belgium in this World Cup? <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. I don't, I don't think... Um, <laughs> He, obviously, he, he would have been a decent decent um, coach for them, but um, I don't think he's up to much as a manager yet. <laughs> well, who he, knows? he might come back to prove me wrong. Who, but... who knows? Maybe Martino doesn't get sacked and they're like, you know what? Sean Maloney's a man. But... Fact, the fact that we're talking about uh, Cove Rangers <laughs> and a Qatar 2022 World oh, exactly. podcast shows you um, exactly what uh, Sean Maloney's impact is. Yeah, and I guess, um, you know, we've kind of touched on most of the European teams and, you know, as much as it pains me to to speak about them, I guess we should talk about England as well. And I'll tell you one of my biggest fears, Angus, is, you know, England have made the semi-finals and the final, uh, semi-finals of the last World Cup and the final of the last Euros there. Both, whilst not playing reasonably well at all, you know, you look at that World Cup run, you know, a penalty shootout win, you know, scraping victories against, you know, some other sides, you know, quite an easy route to the final. Euros as well, you know, a wee bit of fortune in their favour. I don't think that they were very good in the tournament at all. However, they still were almost, you know, in touch and distance of winning. Is there a concern that, you know, if England do somehow manage to, you know, get things going with, you know, a talented squad that they do have, that they could be a team who could take the trophy home? As much as it pains me to say that, um, to be honest, I think I'm not I'm not too worried about it because when you look at the context of the two runs that they had in the World Cup in 2018 in Russia, any time they played decent sides in terms of the likes of Belgium and Croatia, they lost. Like they played teams like Panama, Tunisia, Sweden, S- Sweden, um, Colombia, Colombia, Colombia took the penalties. Mm-hmm. Even in the Euros, apart from obviously, obviously they beat, uh, they drew with Scotland and uh, Germany. They played against. I think you'll find we beat them 0-0. Oh yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> beat them 0-0. That's right. Um, Any time they played, when they did play um, Italy in the big, big occasion in front of their home fans, they, they obviously crum- they didn't crumble, but they blew a one goal lead. Um, so I look at um, and I'll, and then you look at the Nations League campaign when they played decent sides. How did that end up for them? Um, so, I I think they I don't I don't think they have what it takes to beat your likes of a Brazil or an Argentina um, in this World Cup. What I've just said is probably going to come back to like how they do end up winning it. When I've said that, I'm I'm not worried about it, but uh, I'm I'm not as worried as I was for the World Cup or for the Euros. But um, yeah, I, 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 I can see them having a disappointing campaign going out the round after the group stages mm. when they play a good side. I think, I think it all depends, you know, on that kind of the run to the final as well. I think there's a couple of various predictors that you can kind of do that. And I think I think they could end up getting, like, if they top their group, like something like Senegal or, you know, depending on who wins that kind of group, I think that's the way it would work out. But, yeah, Matt, that's my biggest concern. We've talked about, you know, players can make a difference. Harry Kane is very much that player. I don't think that any of the tournaments that he's played in so far that he's been particularly great. But he got the golden boot in 2018, albeit he scored, you know, I think four penalties out of six goals. But, and a hat-trick against Panama. Exactly. Um, but, like, you have to give him credit for, you know, mm-hmm. for taking those chances, at least yeah, because you'd be moaning if he didn't, to be fair. 
Um, so if somebody like him can, you know, can get fired and then, you know, that is a that's a scary prospect. But it's a very interesting point. You look at that Nations League, which was absolutely disastrous. I think England will be delighted to hear that Hungary aren't in the World Cup this year <laughs> um, because that would be, you know, apparently their kryptonite for some reason. But yeah, um, I hope that England go out as soon as possible just so I can actually enjoy the tournament because, you know, the longer they go on, you know, although it makes it a wee bit more satisfying to Robin that, you know, they lost like a final or whatnot, I don't think my little heart can take no. that. Eh, as for Definitely three Jordan tournaments. Oh, when, when Jordan Pickford saved the uh, Jorginho's penalty, I was like, that's, that's it. Um, <laughs> th- thankfully not. So, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, England, obviously, you know, massive, you know, talented pool of players. Um, they do have that kind of game changer up front. I think one interesting aspect will be the midfield, though, as well. You look at, you look at the centre of the park there, you've got Declan Rice, who's a good player and whatnot, but he's not really... Well, for me, he's not properly played, you know, that kind of top level mm-hmm. to deal with that kind of pressure. Obviously, playing for West Ham, um, you know, they've not kind of taken, like, the Europa League kind of, like, by storm, as you maybe you'd expect them to do. Um, I think maybe a little bit of naivety there as well. Um, I don't know if Gareth Southgate's going to be planning on playing Calvin Phillips, who's not going to be fit as well. Jude Bellingham is a decent prospect. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people saying that they might play Phil Foden in the centre midfield, which I think throwing him into the centre midfield when you've not really tried them out there when he's been much more comfortable out on the wing instead is quite a bit of a risk. Um, but yeah, I, um, I think England are, you know, it does pay me to say it, but as we're talking about teams, you know, there's not an awful lot of massive contenders. There's no reason as to why they can't. Um, and, you know, I hate saying that, but it's it's very much true. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's really too many other sides. You know, we're kind of talking about here, and obviously we've just covered teams from South America and Europe. Any other teams from any other continents you fancy could maybe cause an upset or two? Perhaps Senegal, you know, the current holders of the African Cup of Nations. Yeah, possibly. Um, they could um, definitely have a decent campaign. I'm not sure. I think Mane is, is he fit? I think I may have seen something that said that he may miss the first game at least, um, but perhaps may be able to play a part I mean, in the tournament later on. That would be a blow. However, you look at their group with um, Qatar and Ecuador and the Netherlands, uh-huh. you, you could see them definitely getting past Qatar and Ecuador. So they, I, I, I'd fancy them to get out of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that point, maybe Mane might be fit and might be able to make a difference in the knockout stages um so i think i could i could see maybe going a, a round of 16 maybe maybe a quarters but um yeah you look at that team as well you know it's got a decent enough spine you know mendy and goals cool ballet at the back edris again and then obviously manny up top you know a decent kind of like players like dotted about you know around the park so you know if they can kind of if they can get through um whilst manny's maybe recovering you know that'd be a massive boost for them and their country as a whole um and, you know, I think you know, they're maybe the best team to, you know, maybe have these kind of opinions on and mm-hmm. making a bit through uh, later on in the tournament. I think some of the, our African nations, you know, Mo Salah won't be there this year with Egypt. Um, I, know, I don't think Ivory Coast are in it this year, are they? I think they've had quite a yeah, quite a sudden so. fall from grace. Um, but, yeah, I don't think there's too many other kind of teams like out with of, you know, the usual suspects. I mean, there's never, ever been another winner out with of Europe and South America, so there is no reason as to... Uh, why many people will be tipping most of those teams from those areas to win again. But... I, I think one country that um, a lot of Scottish football fans will have their eye on is Australia. Ah, the yeah. likes of Jason Cummings. The, the SPFL All-Stars. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Jason Cummings, obviously. Harry Souter, you see on the um, changing room where it has all their um, first boys club. You have yeah, Breaking, yeah. Breaking Boys Club on the World Cup training. H- Hutchison Vale as well. Exactly. And then you've got the three Hearts players, um, Atkinson, Devlin, Rolls. Yeah. 
that that thug rules who got sent <laughs> off. Absolutely disgusting. Um, obviously, Martin Boyle, Hibsblur, St. Mern, who's um Bacchus. Bacchus. You got got as well from Dundee United. United. Yeah. Aaron Moy. Moy from Celtic. Yeah. yeah. There's a fair old Scottish mm-hmm. Scottish connection with Australia. Even further back, you got Jackson Irvin, who's playing exactly, for them as well. Is there something else? I feel like I just feel like the Australia yeah, team is just full of that kind exactly. of thing. Um, but um, Jason Cummings at a World Cup when he was uh, <laughs> struggling for Dundee last season is certainly an upcoming uh, his fortunes. Um, so look, it's a team I'll have my eye on from um, just a perspective of Scottish football and more so Hearts, to be honest. But um, no, I'm looking forward to seeing some of those players come up against the likes of Kimpembe, Mbappe, Benzema. Kamavinga and even Christian Eriksen with Denmark. So, uh, yeah, definitely look forward to see how that pans out. Yeah, I think for Australia as well, you've got um, you know a lot of kind of the teams there. Um, I think in the last kind of couple of World Cups as well, they've shown to be you know kind of a, a hard working bunch who can cause an upset. Um, and I think that I think in twenty fourteen, I remember them being in the same group as Spain, uh, Holland, and oh, who was the third team in that group? Somebody who was quite decent. Chile, it was, and you know they gave a very good account of themselves. I think they lost every single game, but they were competitive in each as every one of them. And I think over the years they've been kind of developing a wee bit more. Uh, of a know-how to, you know, compete at this level. Like, I think one of the main things I've seen in their, their squad announcement was that it was, I mean, quite a lot of teams do do this, to be fair, to say, oh, yeah, we're not um, we're not here to just take part anymore. We're here to, you know, actually come in. We're here to take in. over. Exactly. We're here to, you know, make an impact. You know, we're going we're gonna to show who's boss and whatnot. Don't quite think they're ready at that kind of stage there. But, however, you know, you're looking at that group, you know, France, you know, you're probably fancy them to go through. Denmark. Decent side, you know, they're on format. I think a lot of people are tipping them as dark horses as yeah. well in um, Tunisia. But they're not teams who, you know, you'd say are massively out, out of Australia's uh, range, to be fair. I'm, I'm pretty sure Australia and Denmark were drawn in the same group in the 2018 World Cup as well. Oh, yeah. um, so a little rematch there to look out for. Yeah. I mean, but... I've absolutely no idea who won that one, but, you know... Maybe one of them will be searching for revenge, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, you know, we can kind of talk about those kind of like dark horse sides. You know, Denmark is one of them, obviously. Christian Eriksen's, you know, returned to full form with Manchester United after that uh, scare, uh, you know, in the Euro 2021 tournament. Um, you know, they obviously made the semi-finals with a dubious penalty against England, putting them out. Um, but yeah, our Denmark is a team that, you know, people shouldn't be sleeping on. Uh, no, I think they're, they're definitely a decent side. I think they could be dark horses. Um, however, aside they got beat two 0 by Scotland last November. Um, <laughs> quite a, quite a change side though, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. They definitely had a lot of injuries. Um, and they were but, playing the best team in the world as well. Yeah, of course, obviously. Shea Adams scoring. We say this after losing two one to Turkey last night. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, definitely. I think they could go if they get a couple of decent draws. I think obviously they made it to the semi final of the Euros. Um. With Christian Eriksen back, I think they can definitely have a really good tournament. And just to point out that the Denmark v Australia match in 2018 was a one-all draw. There we go. There. So, uh, Mate, so a, who a, takes, a, wee, a wee rematch. A who takes all then for exactly. Time. Looking at Denmark's kind of last results, it's quite an interesting one though because you know they're in they're in the same uh, UEFA Nations League group as uh, France were, and they beat France twice, uh, mm-hmm. both in the last. Uh, five months as well, Definitely. Um, which is quite interesting. They also lost twice to Croatia, which is an interesting one. So I don't know whether that shows like kind of a, a lack of consistency or whatnot, but um, or perhaps maybe that's an ind- indication of what maybe. maybe an indication of what France are as well. To mm-hmm. be fair, 
Um, so I guess yeah, Croatia as well as maybe a team you know runners up last time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, quite an aging squad. I think you know they're in the same group as uh, Belgium. Um, similar story in terms of you know a perceived golden generation, maybe without as much you know kind of glamour to their names, but a lot of really really hard working players. And you know to be fair to them, you know they've made you know a World Cup final and like compared to some of the other teams and recent golden generations have done so. I think for the, for Croatia. Their team's maybe aging a wee bit too much yeah, now. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree, I think. You're still the, looking at the same kind of players to, you know, to be those difference makers. However, you're looking at that midfield pairing of Modric and Brozovic, and that can be you know massive. Mm-hmm. I think you know that Euros just there, though, did show that you know their time has passed. Yeah, and likes of Perisic as well, uh, Rebic and that up top. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see you know, what kind of like the, the newer kind of breed of players kind of brings to them. Um, but, I mean, you still look at the group with Morocco and Canada as well as Belgium. I think you would still expect them to get through that group. Mm. Um, obviously, Canada's first World Cup. Well, with, Canada's who I want to kind of actually talk about a little bit because with, uh, I am excited to see Canada. Um, they are playing in the first World Cup since 1986. Yeah. They were the highest scorers in CONCACAF, um, first team to qualify from CONCACAF ahead of, you know, Mexico and America. Mm-hmm. And they're... For most of the world, they're going to be a very unknown quantity for that yeah. kind of matter. The thing that's very interesting about them is, is they have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of athleticism and there's a lot of kind of pace yeah. in that side in both attack and defence, which means in these kind of transitions and kind of knockout kind of games that can be very effective, Canada are very well suited, you know, to, to deal with that and, you know, they could catch a lot of teams on the break. There's somebody that's not going to be, you know, an, an a massive amount of knowledge on because of, you know, um, how they've been um, so I think their team you know it'll be interesting to see how they get on obviously the likes of Alfonso Davies Jonathan David as well um, it'll be interesting to see you know what kind of an impact they make on it and you know them coming out of the, you know, the North American qualifying as the best team in there I think that does you know speak volumes about where they are considering going up against Mexico and America I think maybe some people will point to Mexico and America as you know underperforming and whatnot but you know Canada's still got to do a lot to you know to outdo, you know, the the yeah. the mass spending that, you know, America in particular are putting into, you know, developing soccer and stuff like that. So Football. Canada well, exactly I've been <laughs> I <laughs> I've been partial to our native cousins, but yeah. Um but yeah, I think Canada's going to be an interesting one to see. Do I think that they're going to make it into the deep stages of the tournament? No. But however in one on one games, you know, maybe against, you know, we're talking about a couple of aging sides where, yeah. you know, you've got Croatia and Belgium. The likes of Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen coming up against, you know, nippy wingers, skillful players as well. Who knows, it could be a disaster for these European teams. The other, the other interesting thing is with the Canadian roster that they put out, Alfonso Davis is listed as a forward. Mm-hmm. So um, the left-back at Bayern Munich is... Um, is it just something that Bayern Munich do? Because David Alba was the same, eh? He's listed as yeah. a left-back and then just played whatever Mid- for whatever. Austria. But yeah, I think with Jonathan David and if... It, and if Alfonso Davis has played in the front line, going up against your sort of like Modric and Brozovic who don't have don't have a lot of legs in them, I think you 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 could see a shock there. I would I would I could think. Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a very interesting one for sure. And you know, obviously, we're talking about this with relatively little knowledge on the mm-hmm. Canadian kind of team and that. But David Wotherspoon. David Wotherspoon's there. We're going to see the, the spinny chop. I think we're going to see if that, if that happens at least once. I think. Uh, I think the tournament's been a massive success, but <laughs> yeah, for Canada, it's going to be, you know, 
they may have a squad that could be suited towards you know this kind of uh, tournament um you know because of that kind of athleticism that they they have um obviously you know you'll be looking at the teams like Belgium and that to to outplay them so they're going to be looking to you know to spring these kind of counter attacks and you know make make the most of the kind of chances that they have so it's just going to be whether or not they can you know can kind of get into those areas to do so um but yeah they're a team that I'm intrigued to see just but even if it just is like you know it's something different you know most World Cups, you know, you kind of expect to see the the same kind of bunch of that from North America. You expect to see America, Mexico, maybe even like Costa Rica. The fact that we've got somebody here who, you know, not only is like they're taking part in it, they also qualified as the best from that continent. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, exactly what they're kind of like as well. Um, another team, you know, maybe as part of like the Dark Horses is one who I got in their sweepstakes. Um, and that's Uruguay. And Uruguay as well are kind of a strange one where, you know, they've had, again, you know, a golden period of players coming through, um, like Suarez and Cavani. They now have Darwin Nunes added into that chaos. And, you know, that's three forwards who could win any tournament, right? Um, no? I mean, I wouldn't say Darwin Nunes has ex- exactly hit it up for Liverpool. Um, I don't think anybody's scored more open play goals than them than this, since I can't remember when, but I seen a stat about Darwin Nunes. I was like, damn, like he's actually. Pro-. And that's this is a man new fan trying to stick up for for bloody Darwin Nunes and Luis Suarez here. <laughs> but I mean, you you still have Luis Suarez and Edson Cavani who mm. probably don't have the legs to last full ninety minutes. But if one of them starts and another one's an impact sub, they're two dangerous players that can give them give them an uh, an open give them a, a shot in the box and. It, they've got a chance. You've also got the likes of uh, Fikundo Palistri, who's who's brought into Man United a couple of seasons ago for decent money. Not exactly hit it up there. He went along to the Liga a couple of seasons yeah. uh, last season. Um, I think it's interesting. They've given him the number eight as well, which indicates that they're maybe thinking of playing him quite frequently as well. I mean, you still have, you've got Valverde, Torreira and Benteker as a midfield, which is a decent, a really good midfield yeah, yeah. there. And then got the... Okay, well, I feel a lot better about my sweet sticks pick now that you've... <laughs> I, I completely, completely forgot about that midfield. Then, then to be fair, you've got a decent defence. You've still got Diego Godin, albeit he's probably passed it, but you've still got Jose Jimenez of Atletico Madrid and Ronald Araujo from Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. Probably a FIFA, I, I only know this Araujo from FIFA, which makes me sound like I'm like 12. <laughs> but all I know is that he's rapid and he's tall and... When he's lengthy, he's good. <laughs> exactly. So, so there's a decent, there's a decent spine of a team there, mm-hmm. and then um, no, I think, I think they could surprise a few people actually. Um, I seen a, I seen an article recently with Cavani talking about it, and you know, Uruguay didn't realize that they were, you know, such a small country, three point five million people, yeah. which is you know less than the population of Scotland, which is quite incredible to mm-hmm. think of. You know, you, you've listed off how many players there. Cavani and Suarez amongst the best players in the world over the last, you know, 15 years or so. Darwin Nunes now at Liverpool. Eh, Benton ripping up at Tottenham. Valverde at Real Madrid. Yeah. You know, you're looking at that kind of, that crop of talent. And, you know, they've got that, they've got that fight about them that, you know, can take them far. That South American dig mm-hmm. that, um, you know, does a lot of teams. What we kind of talked about does well for, for the likes of eh, for the likes of Brazil and Argentina, it's very much the same for Uruguay. You know, a lot of these players have broke through against the odds, and yeah, definitely a team to get and look for. You and obviously, then you, you look at the group with Portugal, Ghana, and Korea. For me, that's a group. That's very. That's a very even group, and it'll be an interesting one. But for Uruguay, I'd say they're all beatable teams for them, mm-hmm. and teams that could um could go far. Obviously, I think would you was, also say the same though for 
Korea as well. Yeah, exactly. You I'd say there. the same for all the teams. For, for every team there, the is that is that the best group then of? I'd I'd probably say so. I think it'll probably be the most even group. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it's an it's another rematch. Portugal v Uruguay. Obviously Uruguay put Portugal out of the twenty eighteen World Cup. Yeah. Um, but no, I think there's equal chance for every team in that group to go through. Um, but yeah, looking at Uruguay down their squad. I didn't actually realise the quality yeah, of yeah. it. So, uh, I, I feel so much better about it now, I to be you, honest with you. I, st- I still don't think they'll win it, to be fair. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, if they get, if they make one change and they bring Diego Forlan back into the squad <laughs> and they change the ball to the Jabulani, they will win it. That's, that's, that is my prediction. But yeah, here's hoping that uh, the energy sports uh, sweepstakes you know, will do me good in the end. Um, who is it you've got yourself? I got uh, Netherlands and Belgium. Yeah, so Belgium. Two, two decent teams. Two Obviously, teams. if... Uh, if you do what you do, I'll bring back Johan Cruyff and then, then, we, then we can talk. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we can bring players back from the dead. No, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think so. I don't either. think we've got the capability. I don't think so either. But, you know, he's <laughs> <to> the <road. laughs> You could have maybe went for, you know, the recently retired, like, you know, Iron Robin or that. But no, nah, we're going to you know, the, we're going to Frankenstein <laughs> Johan Cruyff back to life. But yeah. the other team in my sweepstakes, to be fair, is America, which... You know, I think it's their first tournament since the 2014 World Cup as well. They failed to register for the last one, which is humiliating for America, considering yeah. you know how much money they've put into it. Um, you know, an absolute flop, considering that you know it looked as if you know their sides were beginning to build up a little bit more steam. Players coming over to Europe and being a wee bit more um, effective. You know, like Sepulisic, even though he's not properly kicked on at Chelsea, you know, still talented enough team. Weston McKenney, players like that, but. Tyler Adams at Leipzig as well. Yeah, yeah. Like so, you look at that squad that there's like a lot of players, but I don't know. I think people have alluded to that there's been like an, an attitude problem and arrogance within the American team. Um, you know, one of the funniest things I remember, like the 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 fallout of America failing to qualify for that last World Cup, and you had all the pundits like properly leaning in them, and you know, quite rightfully so. I think the last time that they failed to beat teams like Trinidad and Tobago to make it through, and you know, they were rightfully held to account for doing uh, for that. Um, I don't really see them doing an awful lot in this one. I think you know, um, you know they're in the, the group with England, Wales, and Iran. Iran. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one. Um, I, 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 to be honest, I think I could see them getting out of that group. I, I seem to be tipping Wales for this in that one. I, I Wales just do something. They just somehow like they're they're big enough, ugly enough, and they have that little bit of luck that gets them. Through and those and Bale, they do. But something happens with Bale in every one of these big games. He is a big game player. Yes, yeah. Um, and I feel like out of that group, and uh, yeah, in those kind of games, he'll, he'll do something stupid. He'll hit like a free kick and it'll go through like the goalkeeper's like legs or something. And I just feel like, like America, even, even that Ukraine game, the free kick, it hit, it hit, exactly. Hit, uh, Aye. Um, yeah, obviously they'll be they'll be up for it. it's their first World Cup in fifty mm-hmm. odd years. Um. I'm very bitter about this because when I saw that draw, it was a uh, <laughs> licking your lips. There was a possibility of Scotland being there. Um, we had it. We saw what we could have had. Yeah, it's um, fine. We're boycotting the World Cup. We're, we're yeah, being, uh, yeah, what are exactly. these spineless teams? Could that's the stance we're going for. <laughs> the Euros in Germany will be better anyway. That's 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 one we always want. One hundred percent. But going back to Wales, I still think you compare the you, you compare their squad to the USA squad, and I know football isn't played on paper, but on paper the USA squad is a far better squad. In my opinion, than the Wales one. But um, do they have the know-how? What, what do you mean know-how? As in, so it's a very it, young American side, not an awful lot of experience in that kind of team now as well. Not an awful lot of heights been reached, you know, a lot of pressure. They've shown that they can't 
uh, rely on that as opposed to a Welsh team who you know been there they've done it they've been there and in. done it first of all a couple of 50 years well the Euros you look at them they've got to the semi-finals right yeah yeah America's course, not although done. that was that was what still quite a large chunk of that team though but it's, it's an and agency it's an aging side thing but you also I think that team spirit as well you know they've got an entire nation behind them who's going to be supporting them whatnot no matter whatever happens the team spirit that's within there is unmatched probably at this tournament as well how you know that cohesive unit that they are I think that that in this kind of tournament can make the difference um you know that kind of harmony where you know the team is you know firing all cylinders together um will kind of get them over the line in terms of yeah looking at it based off of you know the kind of like players and that like there's no way that you know it should be that kind of close of a deal to be fair um but yeah there's just something about america that's just not i i there's something about wales for me i don't i don't i don't understand how that squad has made it to the world <laughs> cup over the scottish squad that we have but you look at they're consistently yeah consistently they're, doing so now right they're, start, they're starting to get consistent yeah but um i think i i think the experience could get to them i think you talked about the team spirit there and that obviously that's helped by the fans and you look at in, in france in 2016 wales took a big fall into that uh to that comp to that major finals the euros there obviously the euros in 2020 mm. two of the games from baku they they took a decent amount of fans and they still got results however qatar's gonna be different they're not gonna have a lot of fans there there'll still be a fair there'll be a oh fair there'll be there'll definitely be yeah there'll be a fair few to go it'll be nothing like the level that they had in france or anything like that so I think it might be, uh, it might be a bit more difficult for them to sort of have that team spirit when they can't exactly see the see the sport firsthand that they have. Obviously, they'll see videos and stuff back home and pubs and on the streets, whatever. But it won't be the same as seeing it in in the streets. And I think that's an interesting aspect as well that we've not really talked about is going to be the climate. Um, you know, I think a lot of the tournaments you do see these kind of warmer co uh, countries kind of winning uh, these kind of tournaments and coping better, um, like in the Korea, Japan, World Cup, Brazil did so. Mm. Um, you know, even South Africa, you look at like, like Spain and that, if you like want to make that a stretch, perhaps that could be a difference where you, you know, the likes of America are used to playing in this kind of like grueling heat, whereas, you know, the Welsh team will certainly not be. Because um, but... even, even though it's still winter, it's still. Still going to be, yeah, exactly. With a sun beating um, down. But as you did say, you know, that last kind of like Euros and that, they played a couple of games in Baku, yeah, which would course. have been so, you know, it's these kind of like logistics and that, like they make, like you can take them one way or the other, which yeah, I think exactly. is going to make it very interesting. And to be fair, that group with, you know, England, Wales, America, and Iran, you know, it probably could go um, either way. I think, you know, there's people who are maybe thinking that, you know, it looks like that kind of group that England should just go on and win, but, uh, you, you know, stranger things have happened. You know, I think they had. I remember the 2010 World Cup, they had Algeria, Slovakia and America, and they almost made a pure pig's ear out of that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, maybe that's what they may end up show complacency with that and then kind of like falter through it. But, I mean, even the group in 2014, I can't remember who was in it, but it was Uruguay. Italy and Costa Rica? Yeah, it's still... Costa Rica topped it. Exactly. <laughs> the fact that a group with England, Uruguay and Costa Rica and uh, Italy and Costa Rica top the group and England go out. It's a group... Although it's full of good teams, you'd expect England to get past Uruguay and Costa Rica. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they cope with that. And um obviously I think I think they'll go through probably still as group winners because I can see I can see the other three teams taking points off each other in terms of beating each each other. But uh yeah. Yeah. It's one to look out for. Yeah, yeah, I think that basically covers off a lot of most of the teams there. Um but I'd love to go into depth and talk about like every other side, but 
there's just we just simply do not know have that knowledge of these exactly. teams. So anybody who's tuned in to hear about you know Qatar's team or Saudi Arabia that we're very very sorry, but you know it's better as not butchering it. But I'm gonna do a wee bit of a quick fire with you, Angus, uh, just to kind of like round the episode off. Who's gonna win it? I think Argentina will win it. Who's gonna be top goal scorer? Um, oh, difficult one. That I think it'll be. Um, the easy answer. The easy answer is Messi, but I think. Quick fire! Quick fire! Uh, Gabriel Jesus. Gabriel Jesus. Gabriel Jesus. Decent, uh, decent spell with Brazil. Player tournament. Um. Lissandra Martinez. Oh, I love that. Flop of the tournament. Um. Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish. Interesting one to be fair. Um, I guess a, a, a flop team in the tournament as well then. Um, probably Scottish bias here, but I think England went to the big side. <laughs> fair enough. Um, I guess I'll just run through them as well. Winners, I will go Argentina. Player tournament, go for Messi. It's got to be... A top goal scorer. Top goal scorer. We will go with Thomas Muller to end up getting the goal to, uh, to become the top goal scorer as well. Flop of the tournament... I'm going to go for Belgium, just because it's going to be a bit and different. Flop player. player, Ronaldo. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so that uh, that rounds up everything quite nicely. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, we can go on to enjoy a, a very enjoyable tournament here. You know, the kickoff starts on, on Sunday at four o'clock with Qatar taking on Ecuador. I'm sure everybody's buzzing for that match. You know, two behemoths of the football of the world going to take one another. But... Angus, thanks very much for joining me. Where can people find you? You can find me spitting all my usual rubbish on Twitter at FitballMadLad. Um, same for Instagram if you want to. What about yourself, Angus? Yeah, uh, at Angus McGregor 11 for me. You can also just see random stuff uh, on ERG Sport. And, you know, hopefully we'll get a couple of our podcasts going to you know, discuss the action as well. But thanks very much for joining me on this uh, wet Thursday evening. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, thanks to everybody else for listening as well. And look forward to more content coming soon we have our world cup pre- group previews coming out on the site as well so keep an eye out for them but until then thanks very much for listening and we'll see you in the next one bye